With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hi there. This is Tim Hopkins, Director of Outreach and a CPS trainer for Lives in the Balance, standing in for Dr. Ross Green today, who is traveling and working on a really exciting project that we hope to tell you about in our April newsletter. So stay tuned on that. It's time for another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. We do this podcast the first day, uh, excuse me, the first Tuesday of the month, September to May at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. On this podcast, we do our best to help you with your challenging child, help you figure out what's going on, and hopefully help you to figure out some things that are actually going to work. Our call-in number is 347-994-2981, and make sure to press 1 so you can come on live on the show and ask the questions that you might have. I think I'm flying solo today, so, um, well... That'll be all right. We have lots of emails if we don't have callers, but hopefully we'll get some callers. Um, we do have some announcements today. A couple of things to keep in mind. Um, Dr. Green is doing a live virtual two-day training on May 4th and 5th. You can find information about that on the Lives in the Balance website. If you go under our solution and then come down to trainings and workshops, there'll be information there. We have an exciting new video that we've been waiting on for a long time to come out. It's going to come out later this month, showing you how the CPS model works with young kids around the age three and four. So Dr. Green is finishing up his uh, videoing of that and editing process. So we're hoping that later this month, and we're hoping it'll be in time to announce in our April newsletter, Um, that it will be made available on our website. Um, We have another exciting video in the works um, for the state of Vermont that is almost done. Um, They are introducing some legislation to reduce toward eliminating punitive practices. And uh, Dr. Green put together a video um, in support of this legislation and offering CPS as an alternative. Uh, That will be done Um, either later this month or in May as well. So uh, a couple of great new resources coming out soon. If you haven't signed up for our newsletter, please do. Um, You'll be the first to find out when all this new stuff drops. Um, You can sign up for our newsletter by going to livesinthebalance.org, clicking on the Connect button at the top, and then you'll see newsletter sign up from there. Um, Last couple of things. We're going to do something different this year. Typically, we do our Children's Mental Health Conference in the fall and our annual summit in the fall. So the first thing is we're going to separate those a little bit. We're going to do our Children's Mental Health Conference in the fall, 
we're going to do our summit in the spring. So the summit is more focused on, <clears throat> excuse me, the collaborative and proactive solutions model and others that are similar. Um, the Children's Mental Health Conference has become much more focused on advocacy and what we all can do to um, eliminate uh, punitive practices. The other big news is that uh, last year we made our Children's Mental Health Conference free. That's going to remain free. And new this time around, our summit is now also going to be free. And those are both going to be virtual events. So um, like us on Facebook, sign up for the newsletter. We're about to pick the dates for both events. So you'll want to make sure to mark your calendars. They are free and not to be missed. All right. We don't have any callers yet, so we're going to turn our attention to some long-neglected emails. We have quite a few to get to, so let's get started here. Okay, first email. Dear Dr. Green, I'm writing about my granddaughter who has violent and aggressive outbursts many times a day. I've read your book, The Explosive Child, listened to your podcast, scoured your website to gain as much information as possible. I'm a specialist literacy teacher and work with children who, has, who have various disorders, ODD, ADHD, autism, and chronic illnesses. I have recommended your book to several parents and they love it. My problem is that my own daughter does not listen to me. Um, she is an intelligent, loving, caring person devoted to her children. I have just spent a week with her during the school holidays. This came in a little while ago. And my daughter's nine-year-old has violent screaming meltdowns constantly throughout the day. I have kept my mouth shut and said nothing during this time. Uh, my daughter talks to her daughter after the event in an effort to restore calm in the house and settle the older sister. Um, she never talks about the problems when the child is rested, settled, and happy. Um, my daughter's Husband is kind and gentle man and fluctuates between trying to settle the situation and yelling. My question, how can I talk to my daughter and convince her that my granddaughter has trouble regulating her emotions and needs help? To date, everything I have said, which is minimal, is viewed as criticism of her parenting. Um, thank you for writing in. It's an important question. Well, you know, what comes to mind for me, and I, and I know certainly when emotions are involved, these conversations can be um, kind of hot, right, and hard to have. Um, the first thing I think about is applying the model with your daughter, um, that she has some concerns about um, how you're going about saying what you're saying or the content of you know, what you're trying to say, right, that she has some worries, um, it almost sounds like it could be a conversation, and we've talked about this on the program before, where it's more like, rather than talking about an unsolved problem, it's more like talking about how it's hard to talk <laughs> and maybe starting there. So keeping the model in mind, talking about how it's hard to talk, you know. Um, I've noticed that when I bring up um, some worries about um, my granddaughter, you know, it seems hard for you to hear those, you know, where you're coming from, what's that about, right? And trying to understand her perspective on that, that might be useful to have that conversation so that you can know um, what she's thinking, 
when you bring things up, even though I know you haven't tried too much, right? But that could be a place to start. Um, and then maybe you can uh, see what adjustments can be made in your dynamic to be able to have the conversation that you're looking to have, right? I also think about, just like we talk about with kids, right? Sometimes these conversations are so heavy that it's hard to have them face-to-face, right? So um, would writing a letter be helpful, right? Would um, sharing your ideas and, you know, obviously saying clearly that this is not about, you know, saying that you don't know what you're doing. This is about you having a kid with lagging skills, no fault of your own, right? Um, and that the way that we're taught to parent, you know, largely in our culture is not working. And that must be pretty upsetting for you. But there is a different way um, that, that you have found, you know, through your professional life that um, might offer some relief uh, for their household, right? But that this is not about being critical. It's just about sharing information and, and wanting the best for everybody. Um, so those would be the two things I would think about with this one, um, talking about what's hard about talking and, and really thinking about how your daughter has concerns and trying to reach for those, right? Um, you know, I always remember this is a little bit of a different context, but I was going to have a conversation with somebody who was um, letting me know in some very hard ways that they had some concerns about something. And Dr. Green kind of reminded me, you know, even people who are kind of noisy or come at you aggressively or whatnot, they still have concerns and their concerns are valid. So trying to sort of reach for her concerns. And then the other thing I would think about is, not having, not starting it face to face if that's going to go better and maybe doing a letter or something like that. Um, hopefully, you know that we have lots of free resources on the website for parents. Um, if you go to livesinthebalance.org, click on our solution, come down to parents and families, there's all kinds of free resources for parents on there. Um, similarly, if you click on our solution and come down to CPS paperwork, there's a one pager. That also can be useful um, to print it out, right, and give it to her and, and see if that gets a conversation started as well. We're about to update that one pager to include a QR code um, that people can scan and go right to the website. It was a great idea somebody emailed us about, and we've had a technology issue trying to upload it to our website. So <laughs> I've been trying to work on it for weeks, and I'm going to have to have the web guy take care of it, I think. So that'll be coming as well. That'll be updated um, as well. So hopefully that gave you some ideas for how to broach the conversation. Um, certainly would love to hear back from you on how it went. I know it's been a little while since you emailed in, um, but happy to hear back from you on that. Thank you again very much for your email. Okay. Still do not have any callers. So let's move on to another email. Okay. My 11-year-old daughter has an unsolved problem of not getting up in the morning on time. She will often sleep in up to an hour and a half late with me asking and reminding her gently every 15 minutes or so until I finally flip on her lights and remove her covers and tell her sternly to get up now which results in a bad start to the day. And I think it is straining our relationship. 
We used your approach to empathize. Initially, the concern she had was that she wanted to finish her dream. Then it turned out that she didn't like having to pick out her clothes in the morning. Then we defined the problem. She needs to get up in order to begin her schoolwork on time. Then collaborate to solve the problem. She thought it would help if she got her clothes ready the night before. I suggested she needs to make sure her lights were out by 9.30, not 10.30, in order to allow for enough time for restful sleep and dreams. This was fine. We both agreed. But she still doesn't get up in the morning. I approached her again, but she is out of ideas. Any ideas I offer, she may either agree or not, but in the end, she does not do them. I suggested and tried giving her more warning, waking her up 15 minutes earlier to allow for snooze, tried an alarm clock so she could manage her own time, tried a timer on her lamp to remind her when lights go out, when lights go out is, and to wake her up in the morning. Nope, nothing works. The expectation is still not being met without a conflict. What happens when you have a chronically unresolved problem? Yes, it's certainly frustrating when our attempts at solutions don't work. Um, My first thing I like to think about is, did we actually drill enough in the first step? And by the way, I love how you sort of illustrated that you walked through all three steps and gave us some nice detail about uh, that. Um, But I think about the first step and did we actually get to her concerns? And when I hear about difficulty waking up in the morning, um, there's often a lot of ways that this gets off track. And so the information you got so far was she wants to finish her dreams, which I actually would drill about that a little bit more to know more about what's important about that and what she thinks about that. Um, You also have the piece of information that she didn't like having to pick out her clothes in the morning. If you didn't already, I would drill more about that to also understand what that's about, right? Um, I can tell because you've tried different solutions around things she didn't mention, like alarm clock and timer and things like that, those don't address the clothes one. They might address the dreams one in terms of giving her more time to sleep. But again, I think drilling about the dreams and about the clothes would maybe assist with those things. I'm also wondering if there aren't other pieces. And perhaps, again, I only know what what you have in the email here, but did you end up asking about um, the school part of this? And uh, is she trying, you know, to solve some sort of problem or plural problems about what, you know, how the school day starts, what she's supposed to be doing, what she, you know, what she was supposed to have done for homework, like all kinds of school-related stuff um, to see if there's anything about that that makes it hard to get out of bed on time in the morning. Um, That, you know, a lot of kids we see take care of a whole bunch of unsolved problems with one fell swoop by just not getting out of bed and going to school. They can avoid all kinds of, whether she's homeschooled or not, all kinds of academic-related unsolved problems, perhaps socially-related unsolved problems, just by not getting 
not getting there on time, right, and staying in bed. So my first inkling is that, you know, when solutions don't work, it's always a good idea to go back to your partner and ask their perspective about it. You know, something about our alarm solution didn't work. What do you make of it? Right? See if there's any information, any insight to be gained, right? Um, I also like to make sure, did we do a thorough step one? Do we actually understand all aspects of what's making it hard to get out of bed on time in the morning? Um, Because there can be so much involved there, right? Um, The only other tweak I might offer is in the second step, you mentioned that you, you said you need to get up on time to begin your schoolwork on time. I would um, phrase that a little more in terms of your worry. You know, we always like to say that uh, the adult concerns are usually about how the unsolved problem affects the kids and or maybe about how it affects others and that we really like to get to the core worry, right? Like, is it about health? Is it about safety? Is it about learning? Right. This sounds like a learning one, you know, that the worry is you'll fall behind with your studies. Right. Um, And sometimes that shift in language can also assist when we go to do step three that, you know, we're trying to address you kind of not falling behind and being able to keep up with your studies. Right. Um, Phrasing sometimes can open the door in the third step to um, a different kind of solution that addresses your concern because um, as we've been talking about a lot lately, the CPS model is not necessarily how we adults get our concern, um, our, sorry, let me start over. The CPS model is not necessarily how us adults get our expectations met. It might be, but it's really about how us adults get our concerns met. Our concerns get addressed. We have expectations that come from concerns and worries, right? Um, And sometimes when we walk through the process, the solution ends up looking very similar to our expectation we started with. A lot of times we walk through this and the solution addresses our concerns, also addresses our kids' concerns, and doesn't end up looking exactly like we thought that our concerns and worries can get addressed differently sometimes than how we originally thought, depending on what we learn in the first step from our kids, right? So, um, yeah, so that's what I think I would suggest. Um, And if you, in fact, do feel like you drilled and do feel like you have um, all the information about the concerns, then certainly call in or write back in with a bit more detail because I certainly the two that you did mention, I would drill a little bit more to understand more fully what those are about. And then again, those other possibilities of um, is it potentially academic, social related? Could there be other worries in there that she's taking care of by not getting out of bed on time? Um, Again, definitely would love to hear back if you're able to implement any of the suggestions that we talked about to uh, see if that got you anywhere. Uh, and we do have Jennifer joining us. Wonderful. 
Good morning, yeah. Kim. Sorry. I have I have a very barky dog, um, and I, I was afraid that if I tried to call in at first, all anyone would hear would be my dog barking. So oh. I had to get him calmed down before I could call in. Well, then. Uh, <laughs> he was expressing his concerns this morning. I, I guess. Right, in the only way yeah. he knows how, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Loudly. Kind of like, yeah, kind of like infants, right? It's the only, it's the only yes. way they know how. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's nice to hear your voice. Yeah, nice to hear yours, too. And I, I was laughing as I was listening to you there. I did not hear the email, unfortunately, but I did hear your response. And um, I can say that we have that discussion in the B team often that if your solution didn't work, it doesn't mean that you did it wrong. It just means you're not done. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. I, um, I work with a school and I, I hear their recordings and the kids on the recordings will say, this problem isn't solved yet. They love the word yet. And because that's yes. what they're taught by the adults. It's all about yet. And I really like that very much. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Did you have anything you wanted to bring up today? Because um, I just concluded that email. And before we dive into another, do you have anything you want to mention? Um, I don't, not that I can think of off the top of my head, I, as the dog kind of frazzled my brain there for a few minutes. So. <laughs> no problem. <sighs> All right. Well, we've got a backlog of emails, and this next one is quite long. Let me okay. get to it. I think this will be a good one. And this, this poor woman has waited so long. So hopefully, <laughs> um, yeah, I it, we just happened to have a bunch of callers the last several episodes, and so callers take precedence. So that's, that's why the backlog here. But all right, I think we'll probably take this one on in pieces because it is quite lengthy. Um, dear okay. Dr. Green and colleagues, first, thank you for what you do and taking the time to read this message. My six-year-old daughter is smart, creative, and challenging. She's the oldest of three. Her younger brothers are four and two. She certainly challenges my parenting skills more than her brothers. I've been working on plan B to varying success with different issues, but I think the biggest help has been just understanding that she has lagging skills and viewing the various difficulties through that lens. Additionally, Mm -hmm. even if we never move past asking why something's hard for her, just opening up the conversation has definitely helped us feel like we are working on this together as a team. Well, that's good stuff. In any case, I'm reaching out for help in two areas, both related to her difficulty in being flexible and not feeling comfortable with mistakes. Number one, when her younger brothers pronounce something incorrectly, she yells or uses an angry or mean voice to say, that's not how you say it. It's this, not that. It's not what she is saying that's the problem, but how she's saying it. Her mean tone of voice often leads to her siblings yelling back at her or getting upset, and it can end up in a cascade of terribleness. 
Not to mention, it just Uh-oh. feels abusive to have a two-year-old being yelled at for mispronouncing something. I'm having trouble plan being tone of voice. I've tried. It seems like it's tricky for you to talk kindly to your brother when he pronounces something wrong. What's up with that? But it's met with nothing, and I haven't been able to do a good job of digging deeper without asking her why it makes her angry, which doesn't seem productive. She can feel how she feels, right? But it also leads to nothing. Let's stop there and see what you might have to say about this, Jennifer, before I offer (laughs) what I would maybe think about this. Well, tone of voice is hard because it's about perception. Um, <laughs> I, I know that there have been times when my son has said to me, why are you so mad at me? And I realize that what he's hearing is very different from what I'm meaning. I don't have any idea if that's part of the problem here, but I know that it's been a problem for me. Um, because I'm not hearing it the same way. So if she's having trouble expressing why it makes her angry, maybe it's not that she's feeling angry. Maybe she thinks she's being helpful. Um, (laughs) Tone of voice is tough. Uh, That was my initial thought right there. All right, yeah. I was having a similar thought. I mean, you can go with the verb phrase, talking kindly. You can go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, if it doesn't get you where you want to go, you could maybe think about a different observable verb that um, describes your expectation. And I, and I know that this is going to sound picky, but sometimes it really is all in the word choice. Um, and you could go with, absolutely. Um, yeah, you could go with nicely correcting because I heard because I read that you're not you're not worried about what she's saying; it's how she's saying it. So maybe your expectation is she can correct. It's just got to be nicely correcting. So you could try that and see if it gets you somewhere. The other thing I would say is, you know, she might. It sounds like she has plenty of words, but she might not have the words to tell you what's happening. Um, and from this email, I can't tell if you've tried taking some guesses and getting her feedback um, using, we talk a lot on the show about the five finger method, you know, taking guesses and have her rate on your fingers how close you are with five being totally true, one being not true at all, and you can define the ones in the middle. We actually have a, um, a uh, visual of the five finger method on our website under our solution CPS paperwork, you would find it in there. You could also simplify it with thumbs up, thumbs down. You could also say, you know, point to the pink elephant if I'm right, point to the yellow giraffe if I'm wrong. And you could take guesses about what's so hard about this. Um, And you can take the guess that Jennifer mentioned, you know, do you feel like it's helping? I actually had a recording recently. This was in a skills group. and it was an older kid, um, but um, really felt very passionately that if he didn't, this is slightly different, but very similar, if he didn't teach his 
three, four-year-old brother to share, the brother was never going to learn to share so that he was taking it on himself <laughs> to, like, conduct these little experiments of, oh, you're playing with that? I'm going to play with it now. Because he felt very passionately that he was teaching. And it, it didn't jive with how it was translating, but it also was a very interesting enactment of plan A by the older kid to the younger kid. It was made for good conversation. Um, Mm. So, you know, kind of wondering like, you know, what are you so worried about when he, he mispronounces something like what, what does your brain get worried about? I wonder, does your brain worry that he's always going to sound like this? Does your brain worry that he'll he'll get called a baby by kids at school if he always sounds like this? Like, what are you – that's what we're trying to understand here. Um, and so, again, I'm not sure. I mean, it does sound like you have some good information about the model, um, but I would, I would take some guesses about um, what is so hard. when. And I would be pretty specific. Remember yesterday when your brother – said the word Mississippi wrong, right? Whatever it was. Um, That was really hard for you, right? What was hard for you about nicely correcting him when he said Mississippi wrong, right? So I first kind of rephrase it a little bit, get a little more specific. If you get nothing, I roll into guessing at that point. Do you have anything to add to that, Jennifer? Uh, Just the the five-finger method is, is so hugely helpful especially if you have a kid that that is willing to talk with you but really doesn't quite know how to say what it is that they want to say. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. because we've had <laughs> I I was an English major, then I was a journalism major, and words have always been my thing and I have been known to speak rather harshly when mispronounces something too so <laughs> the question here <laughs> I don't know that I ever knew that you were in journalism but it does make sense to me because you have a way with words for sure uh, yes <laughs> a long time ago uh, uh, right feels like another life ago <laughs> All right, let's get to the second question here. Um, My second issue is that she yells and grabs things away from her siblings and stomps her feet and is generally disruptive when she cannot control how her siblings are playing. For an example of a typical situation, the two- and four-year-old are building and playing in a fort. Six-year-old wants to join in and immediately says that the fort needs to be built differently. Four-year-old says, no, that's where the pillow needs to be because it's a door. Oh, my gosh, are you in my own house? (laughs) Definitely very, very familiar. Six-year-old grabs the pillow away and pulls the fort down. Everybody cries. Six-year-old stomps and throws the remains of the fort. Uh, four-year-old has taken more and more to playing with the two-year-old, even though my older two kids are only a year and a half apart. I believe this is because the six-year-old is just too controlling. I realize that this is a natural consequence of her actions, but it breaks my heart to see their relationship deteriorating day to day. Uh, the difficult part of plan being this for me is that I'm either too specific 
quote, I noticed that it was hard for you to leave the pillow alone when your brother asked you to. What's up with that? She's happy to work through plan B and find a reasonable solution, and the situation never comes up again. Or maybe too general. I noticed that it's hard, quote, I noticed it's hard for you to let your brothers play how they want to play. What's up with that? And my daughter has no answer. In the first case, I think she knows that this is something that she's never going to have to follow through on because it's so specific, and that's why she almost eagerly goes along with the discussion. She comes up with very simple reasons for why it was hard and how to solve it, like she is just going through the motions. So where to start with on this one? Do you want to jump in first? Well, one of the most helpful things that I've ever heard Dr. Green say was at a um, summit probably maybe five years ago. Um, We were in an advanced CPS parenting group in the afternoon and he was talking about being really specific, like the the first question that the mom here asked. And then following that up with, hmm, I see, is that the same thing that was causing a problem for you when this happened? And grouping it together, sort of reclumping problems. Because then you're sparking more thought um, and you might be able to address more than one thing at a time. And if she's going through the motions, then that may cause her to, you know, that may throw a little cog in the wheel and get her to actually come back around to thinking a little harder about the conversation. But it can also be helpful to mom because maybe there is a problem that they can drill down to that is specific in that situation, but helpful overall. That was my first thought. I like it very much. Um, I was also thinking, and now I feel like it's gone because a bird flew by my window. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Let me get back on track here. Um, yep. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, squirrel, Is right? barking at you too? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what just happened here. Um, I'm just rereading the email so I can get my bearings again. Oh, my goodness. Oh, <laughs> oh um, the part about going through the motions. Do you feel like should, sometimes kids go through the motions because they're worried that this is super nice plan A? So I don't know if there's been any conversation about how, um, especially if people did get upset when the fork got torn down and now he got three kids crying and stuff like that, um, <laughs> that we can sort of reassure that this is not that, this is not plan A, you know. Um, so even if, if plan A happened saying, you know, that's not how we want to handle problems in our house, I know that doesn't help, it could actually make things worse. What I'd like to do is for us to figure out what's hard for you about this and and normalizing. Everybody has hard things. Everybody has bumps in the road that they struggle with. And, you know, we want to be, and then, you know, maybe even linking it to some sort of show or movie or she likes, you know, some sort of, we want to be like superhero partners or something, you know, (laughs) that work together to solve problems 
so they don't feel like problems anymore, right? So doing that piece. The other thing is, is she going through the motions because she doesn't have the words to tell you what's hard about it? Um, And so, so it's sort of, again, you know, more drillings needed, but maybe with taking some guesses and making it safe and comfortable for her to give some feedback on those guesses, you know, and it might take some time, right? It might take a couple of sit downs before you feel like, okay, now I got this right. Um, And, you know, being a very rigid thinker myself and one of my kids takes right after me in that respect. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I can appreciate that, that, um, that this is certainly tricky for all of you and you know some kids when we're thinking it's about um, that inflexible thinking sometimes they latch on to um, you can correct me because you're the English major is it a simile or a metaphor (laughs) what am I looking for here where where we talk about like our brains as bike gears what would that be (laughs) Would that be a, a metaphor? No, so, simile would be with like or as. There we go. I <laughs> knew you'd know. Would be, yep. Okay. <laughs> there we, get, we get English lessons from Jennifer. That's good. But, oh. you know, some sort of visual, some sort of comparison. Um, I mean, I always joke with kids who are too young to drive because we could talk about car gears too, but I'm like, you, you don't drive, do you? You know, and, and um, <laughs> make it maybe about bikes or something else that has gears that get stuck. Like sometimes the gears get stuck and it's not what we want to have happen and it doesn't seem to make sense to us, but sometimes <laughs> it's really hard to shift and, and off of an idea or to move on. Um, I very much know what that was like before I found the model and helped myself with it. Um, and, you know, I was, I was one of those kids that was not unlucky. She's a little bit unlucky in how she expresses, you know, because she's a yeller and a grabber and a foot stomper. Not super unlucky, right? But the disruptive part doesn't feel great. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a pretty lucky kid, and I was like a crier sulker. So, um, you know, it really kind of flew under the radar. But then just because you turn 18 and go to college and go to the work world <laughs> – does not mean that you are suddenly a flexible thinker if you weren't before, and I was not, and it did not, it didn't, didn't help me nope. in my early career. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, thankfully found the model. Because it was so funny when I found the model initially. I talk about this in trainings all the time. Like um, I became aware that my gears were having trouble shifting in some very – funny-ish, didn't feel funny at the time, but like silly circumstances. Like, like if my husband, who is a wonderful cook, made something for me that was different than he said he was going to make. And that was, <laughs> that was hard for me. And it's funny, yeah. like I'll be training, you know, a couple hundred people and like you get half the room who gets what I'm saying. And the other half is like, he cooked for you. What is your problem? Because they're flexible. Like, so... <laughs> But, like, I've, I've become aware of this, like, oh, my, here we go, my gears are stuck, and this is silly. I like what he made. It's just not what I was expecting, and uh, here comes the anxiety, and that's going to end up with me, you know, making a not nice comment about something, right? So um, yep. then I found my strategy, which has worked for me now for 
oh, I don't know, <laughs> a long time this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. Yep. Where I think I well, and by the way, I tried something that didn't work. The first strategy I tried was um, thinking, what's the big deal? when a change happened and it felt like a big deal. Uh, so that did not work. You were plan A in um, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It did not feel like, right. So then my strategy that now works uh, and has worked for years and is now very automatic is what am I most worried about? So then I can think about all the things that I think could stem from this change and make plans around them. And then I don't feel anxious and then I don't have behavior about it. Um, it has been the greatest gift in my life, let me tell you. Even though I was not punching people and throwing chairs, didn't matter. It was, you know, a luckier behavioral signal that still didn't serve me well. Yep. So, No. Yeah. Oh, and I got tons of examples from when I was a kid of it playing out. But, um, you know, my parents didn't know the model, so they read it as, she just wants her own way, which of course I did. I still want my own way. We all want our own ways. <laughs> Don't we it's all? About, yes. <laughs> yes. Lacking the flexibility, frustration, tolerance, and problem-solving skills to handle it when it can't happen the way that you want. So, <laughs> well, I have, I, hope... I have one other thought oh, about the email, if I can share it. Oh, good. But it, sort of piggybacking onto what you were saying, um, when you were talking about about having that fear of plan A and and that was certainly a problem in our house when we first started using the model and it's a problem that I see all the time. Um, so one of the things that worked for me was to start the conversation with, you know, I no one's mad, you're not in trouble. We're not going to try to solve this problem right now. I just want to understand what was going on. Because then with that sentence right there from the very beginning, there was no consequence coming from the conversation. Mm. Um, and like that helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That We're not going to try to solve it right now. We're just going to understand what's happening. I love it. Very nice. So, yeah, it was helpful. <laughs> Sometimes it still is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was he 19 now? Yes. Yep. Oh, wow. Wow. He was, he was has 11 on. when we started. So it's been a long time. <laughs> it has. And yet you have not aged at all. How did that happen? <laughs> Only in mental years. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, I, I'm so glad you could jump on today and, and offer your wisdom to everybody. I think <laughs> the other emails we have are going to be longer than the two or three minutes we've got left. So we're going to go mm -hmm. ahead and end for today. We will be back next month with another episode of Parenting Your Challenging Child. It's going to be the last one for this school year before we take the summer break. Be sure to join us then. Thanks for listening. Thank you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.